Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me is my great friend, my co-host, Joshua Fowler. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry League, and also Goodwood Church of Christ and Holly Hill Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. Oh man, welcome, welcome guys. Uh, I guess welcome Facebook land. If you're listening on our podcasts on all the different platforms we're on, uh, we're glad you're listening. Um, Josh, uh, I'm glad you're here. I know we've been talking about how cold it was in kind of the pre-show and it was just 28 degrees this morning. And for some people who might be watching, you're saying, well, that's not cold. That sounds like summer. Well, you know, uh, I'm from Baton Rouge, 28 degrees. Um, I like the cold, don't get me wrong, but it's cold. Um, but once it gets below freezing, I need to start wearing pants. You know, I can wear shorts in the 30, in the upper 30s. Um, I always did that in, on the, the week it got in the 30s in Baton Rouge. But now, it's, you know, you get used to it, but it's a different type of cold. And when that wind comes and you're off that river... Sometimes it, it feels a lot colder than what it really is. Yeah, it's but, uh, um, what's weather like in Baton Rouge? It is sixty three degrees and sunny, um, oh, which man. means I had to put the top and the windows on the Jeep this morning, bundle up, put a coat on because uh, um, I was cold. Yeah, yeah, oh, it, it's nice. But the problem with this is it's nice now. And in, well, now in one day, it's going to be cold and rainy. And I know that to be a fact because I will be in North Louisiana, West Monroe on a football field, uh, calling a football game. And so I am okay. basically this year assured that it's going to be cold and rainy like our last two Friday nights have been. So, Oh, no, that's no fun. It's coming. I don't know if you've seen the news that's or not. No You're going to completely shift gears here. But, uh, okay. You know, I'm a father-in-law now. Did you see that? I, I saw that, um, when you were on your other podcast behind the beers and I saw some post online and I first, I thought it was just another engagement picture. And then I looked a little closer and I went, Oh wait, no, that's, that's saying something completely different. They are husband Surprise. and wife. So, uh, <laughs> It was not a complete surprise. Uh, we knew, yeah. obviously, we knew they were engaged. We knew that uh, they were going to be married pretty quickly. Um, now, yeah. Sunday night, he sent us a text message, which was Monday morning for him. He's uh, 14 hours ahead of us. So he sent us a message. Yeah. They were, they had taken like two weeks off and they were just touring the island, checking out some place they hadn't seen before. And so we get this text message Sunday night and it says, Hey, mom, hey, dad. I think we're getting married today. <laughs> it's like, oh, today. This just got real. Um, yeah, so we're uh, we're super excited. Um, she's a sweet girl with a seems like a really sweet family. I'm looking for a opportunity to get to know her mom and dad here pretty soon, hopefully. So, cool well, stuff, man. Are they planning on having a ceremony when they get back to the states? They will. Are uh, no. Okay. It'll be, I mean, it won't be till 
2022, the summer of, of 2022. So um, okay. they'll come home and have a, a, a big ceremony. She wants to wear a dress and have everything. Their ceremony in where they're at right now consisted of sitting in front of a court official who speaks a foreign language saying, sign here, sign here, you're married. Um, so no, no pomp, no circumstance. Um, but they have, uh, begun their life together and uh, we're pretty excited for them. So exciting. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. That's exciting. Well, um, I'll ask you this and, uh, I got an idea of, um, of a couple things, but we'll also, we'd love to hear from you if you're watching, um, What's your favorite scene, um, either from a movie or a TV show or, I don't know, uh, if you're one of those people that watches documentaries, um, where someone got called out? Oh, man, you know, and it's always funny. You know, you, you hear that, that burn or that, oh, man, someone got called out. and you need to, Oh, that happened. You know, what's your favorite scene where that happened there? Um, you know, I came up with this question. I should have had an answer for it, uh, at least an answer that's a little uh -huh. <laughs> more readily at hand. Um, I, I don't know. See, you know, Friends was a big part of uh, our, our <laughs> own adult life. And you we know, there are... were on a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you have you have those scenes. You know, we were on a break. That's one pivot. That's another one. Not really yeah. called out. I but, still know, quote that. That 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 moment where everything's going wrong. Nobody wants to admit they've got something wrong. And you know, just if I just keep saying this louder and louder and louder, then everything's going to be okay. Um. So those are the kind of things that that immediately you know come to my mind. Um, we talked about on uh, Behind the Beards last week, our favorite movies, I think, and one of mine is Tombstone. There's not really a place where somebody gets called out, um, but there are those moments of, you know, squaring off with someone and who's going to give first. Um, I think about Wyatt Earp and uh, Ike, where, you know, he kind of pulls his gun out when all the cowboys are getting ready to take him. And he says, I'm going to, I'll split your head open like a canoe if you don't back your boys off. And they say, oh, he's bluffing. And Ike looks at White Earp in the eyes and says, no, he ain't. Back up, boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he ain't. No, who's no, no gonna, he ain't. Who's going to blink first? You know, so those are those are the two things that kind of come to mind when it just comes to uh, that that moment of being squared off. Who's going to blink? Who's going to give? Um, oh, yeah. Now, um, I, I like it where um, now. I'll answer one for my wife. Uh, she's working. She'll be, uh, she might listen later. Um, when it was at night, she was always one of our nice, wonderful listeners. But she loves Downton Abbey. And the character that Maggie Smith plays, the, the, the grandmother, is always super sarcastic, super snarky, and almost, but not like she's intentionally trying to, the character is not intentionally trying to be funny. She's just insulting. Right. In every few, every episode or so she's in, she says something where Catherine goes, 
that's hilarious because she like calls somebody out for being stupid or calls somebody out for, you know, talking too much. Uh, she loves those scenes. For me, I, I'm with you. I like more of the action stuff. Some of the best insults, you know, I, I think of uh, not really, I guess it's not really a roast or something got called out, but I love the show Lost. Um, I've watched that show all the way through more than once. Uh, if, and I didn't watch it when it was live. I, I watched it later. So that tells you that I have a problem with binge watching shows. But um, I love the character Sawyer. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters. Um, I think there's a lot of depth to his character. There's a lot of um, um, evolution to his character. He doesn't, you know, which is really good for a story arc. But what my favorite thing about him is his his little insults he and uh, he does for every character, or his nicknames he has. When people do something stupid or when they act a certain way, all of a sudden, up oh, there's a new nickname for him. And I later found out that that was never in the script. The nicknames were something his the actor just started doing by himself because he thought the character would do that. And I love that because every time he insults somebody, not only are you thinking, wow, that was pretty funny, but there's some truth to it. <laughs> right. And uh, I remember early on, and for those of you who haven't seen Lost, one of the first few episodes, they're on the island, and um, my least favorite character uh, catches him in the plane that's crashed, going through people's stuff, taking, you know, putting it in a bag to take it for himself. And he says, I can't believe you're taking their stuff. And he looks at him and says, you and I are living in two different worlds. You need to admit we're going to be here. Right. <laughs> and we need stuff. And you need to accept reality. And uh, this is what I'm doing. And, you, you know, get, basically he's saying, get your head out of the clouds. We're going to be here for a while. We need to survive. And uh, but he did it in a way where it was insulting. It was funny. And uh, it was a good TV show. I know a good TV line. Uh, I love that uh, that scene, that character, because uh, he says stuff that I can't say that I sometimes think. <laughs> so I, I live through him and go, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love those those characters that I'm able to live vicariously through. Right. It's like, Oh man, yes. I, I wish I had the ability or courage or whatever to, <laughs> to say that. But if I were to say that it would destroy almost every relationship in my life. So I'm going to choose not to, and I'm going to choose to take the high road and I'm just going to be glad that there are some people in life who can do that and get away with it. Um, you know, and there are people in my life who can do that. And, you know, yeah. when, when they get done, it's just like, ah, uh, that's just grandma being grandma and, and nobody thinks twice about it. You know? <laughs> and so it's just, uh, it's just interesting. And we see those things kind of an entertainment. Um, and, you know, a lot of people out there are thinking, all right, so what in the world does this have to do with anything? Right. Um, yeah. Looking at a, at a couple of, um, semi parables i guess we don't really i guess you said you found a list that actually included this as a parable right it did i've never thought of this uh because it's really just like a quick little lesson he tells them and i look at it more as an analogy or an illustration it, uh it's not really Correct. a parable there is no story arc but it was included in some list and i thought hey this is 
maybe even necessary today. Uh, everyone's uh, applicable today. Every, every parable is important, but some of them are more, I guess, not pressing, but are more relevant during different years because of what's going on in our culture. And, in, and right. especially in America, I would even say in the world right now, this is uh, this lesson is a huge problem or, or, a, or a huge struggle for many of us. And, and that's just talking about What's this log in my eye, right? You know, or, you know, and maybe even not what's this log in my eye, but what do you mean? I don't, there's no log in my eye. <laughs> That's probably more accurate today that, you know, saying, oh no, I'm fine. There's no log here. <laughs> right, right. Well, and so this is in Matthew chapter seven and Luke chapter six. This is actually a part of the Sermon on the Mount and in Luke chapter six, the Sermon on the Plain, Right. And I, and I think that's a lot of the reason that it kind of gets passed over when you think about parables, uh, because all of Jesus's parables aren't long stories. He has several kingdom parables that are um, one or two verses long, you know, where it's just, hey, a man found a valuable pearl and he went, sold everything he had, bought the land because it was of great value. And so it's, it's not like this is out of the ordinary or, or really kind of off the rails in that it's just not something that we typically include with Jesus parabolic teaching, uh, but it probably yeah. is more consistent with the way we use parables modernly today as, as illustrations, because he's here in, in Matthew seven, he's talking about judging in the same in, in Luke chapter six about the way in which we judge in Matthew seven, three, <clears throat> he says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't even notice the log in your own, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? And look, there's a log in your eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Um, and so it's a, it is a parable. It is this um, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He's bringing something that we would obviously relate to on a physical level and, and taking it and applying it in, in a spiritual way. And um, it's look, man, it's a, it's a lesson we really need to to take to heart. I think personally. The, oh, absolutely. And when I when I read this, every time I read this, I can't help but think of the Three Stooges. <laughs> and uh, maybe that should have been one of our questions: is what was one of your favorite Three Stooge episodes? And uh, first, those who who grew up watching it, those who watched the reruns like I did, but but I can you know this this whole analogy of. There's this massive log in someone's eye, just like sticking out of his face, right? I mean, logs aren't small. Like this, this log, you know, cartoon thing, just another extension from someone's face. And he's saying, hey, dude, you have a spot that's really tiny. Let me help you get it out. And what's going to inevitably happen? You're knocking this person out with this log, trying to get close to him. And trying to get up in their business to find the little speck, like the the ladder scene where the the guys turning around and smacking the guy with the ladder and the you know, oh oh let me help you here and he every time he moves he smacks the guy in the face with the ladder. That's what I'm picturing here. And so Jesus has a sense of humor. Let let's not let's not forget that Jesus is a funny guy, and he's using this analogy where they're going to go. That's the most absurd, insane thing I have ever heard. 
And then he says, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's my point. Well, the, you know, I, I liken it to, um, I remember going to a doctor one time and look, I am not in peak physical condition. Um, I am aware that I could probably shed a few pounds and be a lot healthier. And I really strive to do that. Um, but I had this man look at me and say, um, so I'm looking at your chart and you are obese. Uh, your body mass index is far too high. And uh, we really need to get that into control if, if you're going to be healthy going forward. And I'm looking at this man who is not that much older than me. And he is about 150 pounds overweight. Um, and so it's like, who are you to tell me that um, I am obese? Uh, and of course, in my mind, I have all these things. He goes, look, just look at the chart. Here's your weight. Here's your height. Here's where you should be. Here's where you are. Um, and I'm going to give you some, you know, little nutrition things to kind of go off of. And so I'm looking at him going, how, how can I take nutrition advice? I know you that you're learned. I know that you're educated. And so, so there is this idea that we have this, this book knowledge of things, but somehow when we are receiving it from someone that obviously isn't putting those things into practice, how much value do they have? Right. If I go, if I go to the gym and the guy and I go say, Hey, I need somebody to help me get into a fitness program so that I can get in better shape. Um, and the guy that walks up, they don't have to be a bodybuilder. Um, I just need to know that they are following their own recommendation. And so if you can see that they're, they're doing that and they're either on the, on the path to, to being fit or they're obviously, you know, more, more fit than myself, that, that information is a lot easier to accept because we recognize that they've addressed that in their own life and it works. And so now they're bringing it to me so that I can apply it as well. Um, Definitely. Uh, I, I ran into that in college, and um, uh, I, I've tried not talking about this um, too much anymore because there was a period where I used these uh, this analogy or these stories too much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in high school, I, I, I was in some sports, and uh, I, I lifted weights competitively. Uh, I stopped doing that my last year and a half of high school. And then in college, obviously, I really didn't do anything. And now I am extremely out of shape. But in college, I decided I was going to try to get back in shape. And there were some guys who were working out who were like, hey, come join us. Well, I have all the knowledge on the form, proper form and technique of what to do when you're lifting. Uh, that was the first thing our coach taught us. He was mm -hmm. LSU's uh, lifting coach. So, I had, you know, it wasn't just some random dude coaching us. No, it was a, a college coach coaching us, you know, at a major university. So I knew all the right techniques to not get hurt. Well, I'll walk in and join them and the form's off. I'm looking, I'm going, you're about to break your back. <laughs> you know, if you do this, you will eventually get hurt. Do you think he listened to me? Not a chance. Not a chance. He says, why would I listen to you? Look at you and then look at me. And I went and, and I tried saying, I get what you're saying, but I've been, you know, trained, <laughs> but I, I haven't been doing it, but it's the whole thing of when we stop doing things, we lose our, we lose our credibility. And as Christians, when we start coming, when it comes time to 
teach people about faith or about what we need to be doing if we're not practicing it ourselves. Just like someone who's overweight like myself, trying to tell somebody how to be in shape, we're not going to have any, we're not going to have a leg to stand on. Yeah, no, it's a, it is definitely a challenge, right? And I agree 100% here with, you know, what Aaron is saying. Oh, yikes, that went really big. That's what happens <laughs> when, I, when I changed the, uh, the format there. Um, it is hard because yeah. this is this is my favorite way to use this passage. Um, you know, when someone is coming to me to bring me correction, I don't want you to use it on me because obviously I don't have a log in my eye. If I had a log in my eye, I'd take it out. So if you're seeing a log in my eye, you're seeing something wrong. And if you're coming to correct me, it's because your vision's blurry. It's because something in you is messed up and um, it's just not go fix your own stuff and then you can come talk to me. Right. And so this is, this is the the easy way to use a passage like this because it takes the focus off of the things that make me uncomfortable, um, that make me do any kind of introspection or self-examination and just allows me to keep the focus squarely on you and where you fall short. Cause that's really where we need to live is where you need to get right. Um, I even yeah, sat with the, we go ahead. No, no, no. You you got it. I say we're, we're dealing with a little bit of a of, of a delay here between us, so it's, it makes it interesting. Um, oh, I even dealt with a uh, a couple who was going through some marriage counseling, and after the first couple of sessions, uh, one of them came to me and said, "So, when are you going to start talking about the things that they need to change? Because I've got a whole list of them." They actually had that request of me. It's like. I think I found the problem <laughs> um, because that's just the way we operate. Right. Um, where did they need to change? Yeah. Um, uh, I can remember. And I, I wish you would, I wish you would have prepped me that you were going to cover, you were going to use that uh, illustration. Not that you could have known, but I was, I would have some notes. I would have looked at um, Lonnie Jones. Um, uh, I love Lonnie Jones. Um, he and my dad went to uh, uh, Harding together, but he talks about controlling the controllables. Right. And uh, when it comes to relationships, control the controllables. And what can you control? You can control your actions and you can control how you respond to other people's actions. You can't change other people. You can ask them to do certain things, but you can only change yourself. So, you know, with, with that being said and the analogy you used, I think that the question for me is really, does, does this mean or is Jesus saying that we can't judge in any way? Because like Aaron was saying in his comment, we like to use this <laughs> by telling other people, you can't come judge me. You need to fix that big log in your eye before you worry about my fault, because my fault's not as big as your fault. And you have more problems to worry about than I do. Is it saying that we can't judge at all? That's what, you know, it says, don't judge. (laughs) I think Matthew 7, 1 and John 3, 16 may be the most quoted scriptures. But it's not all of Matthew 7, 1. Um, It's just (laughs) the first three words of Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge. And we don't recognize that it doesn't say don't judge. It says don't judge so that you won't be judged. 
because with the, the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Um, he's just saying you got to be aware that that kind of saying, what goes around comes around kind of a thing, right? You want to be shown mercy? You show mercy. You've been forgiven. So what do you do? You show forgiveness. That there is this understanding as, as Jesus goes through it's the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, right? God has said one thing, and you're really good at following the law, but you stink at creating the kind of heart that God desires. And so you're so focused on following the law that you are nitpicking your brother to death because of his inability to follow the law. Yet you have this plank and the plank in the eyes of the Pharisees and the people that he's talking to wasn't some great sin. It was the fact that their hearts were not right with God because they were they were missing the whole point. And so, you know, he's teaching them with all of this teaching to see things God's way. And first, I've got to do some introspection. And that doesn't, we have to make judgments every day, right? Everything we do requires a measure of judgment. He's really just saying, look, you need to be careful with the way you're treating other people. Because that's going to come back to you. You want to be shown grace, you need to be, you need to show others grace. You want to be shown mercy, you need to show others mercy. Um, and and take care of your own stuff before you start going and pointing out all the places where everyone else is falling short. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a dorm dad, um, Papa K, and I believe he's I believe he's now uh, one of the, the house parents at um, a children's home. But he um, once said to me, we were talking about something. And he said, you know, I wish I had all the time in the world to, to point out everybody's faults. He goes, but I'm too busy trying to fix my own. And uh, I, I liked the way he worded that. And uh, we were talking about some stuff. And he said, you know, I wish I had time to point out people's faults. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm too busy fixing mine. And this, this, is, this is what Jesus is getting at. He's not saying you should never. He's saying you need to be, you need to, you know, work on your own you know, sin, your own weaknesses. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, in other scriptures especially, you know, if we truly love others, we'll want to tell them, hey, what you're doing is not pleasing to God. If we love them, we'll want what's best for them. And that might mean the iron sharpening iron saying, hey, I'm going to give you some harsh words. I'm going to give you some tough love right now. But that requires that relationship. I can't just go up to some random person and say, Hey, you're doing this. That's terrible. I can't believe you did this. Um, I used to play Magic of the Gathering, uh, these, these card games, mm -hmm. and I've since sold all of my cards and made zero money and uh, <laughs> it didn't even break even. But um, no, I'm just kidding. So, well, actually, I'm not. But um, I remember going in, and it's about what you expect. Uh, for those of you who have played online games, uh, just imagine that type of culture and language just in person. Um, and I knew what I was, I knew what I was getting into when I walked into the store and, uh, I didn't start off by saying, Hey, quit that. You, you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, I, it was several months and I built up some relationships, some friendships. And then one day I said, Hey, that kind of, and they, they knew I was a minister and, you know, they knew kind of where I stood. They knew I didn't use any language. It was noticeable. And one day I just told one guy, I said, Hey, 
that, that kind of bothers me a little bit. I said, I'm not trying to tell you, you know, everything to do, but I said, if, if you could watch it when you, when I'm around, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And, and he, and there was a time where, you know, he stopped one of the workers. He said something uh, when we were talking and I missed it. And I asked him to repeat himself. And when he repeated himself, he didn't use the cuss word that he had used. You know, I heard the cuss word the first time. I didn't hear, you know, I missed the whole sentence. But I asked him to repeat himself. And when he did, I noticed he cleaned it up for me and right. said something, the same thing. And and that's just because I didn't. And I asked him later. I said, guys, I want to ask you something. If I, if I had came in, because they were talking about a, a parent who had come in and just started yelling at all of them. Now, they didn't pay attention with a little girl in the room that was on them. You know, but but I remember uh, I asked myself if I had kind of asked you guys what I would have asked you on day one, what would the reaction have been? And and and, and they were pretty blunt. I mean, these these are unchurched, or well, maybe some churched, but not believers. And maybe they are, but you know, are not active believers. You know, there's a mix of there's all kinds of mixed people who were here, and they pretty much gave me a straight answer saying, "Yeah, you it wouldn't have ended it wouldn't have ended very well." And I think a part of it is that relationship has to be here, but we also have to make sure we're living in a way where there's something different about us. So when we do make those suggestions, they can say that. Yeah. Well, and there is this, uh, this truth here of we all have logs in our eyes. I mean, just like, just like Jerry is saying here, um, We've been given grace. We've been given mercy by God. And, you know, if it if it weren't for those things, we would be forced to reckon with this giant log in my eye on my own. The problem, um, at least for me, is learning to recognize where my logs are because I just get used to dealing with them. Um, I, I, I met a guy, one of my customers at the Cadillac store. He had he had a mohawk. The unique thing about this Mohawk is it was titanium. He had surgically implanted um, threaded bolt holes in his skull. And so he could screw in and out different sizes of Mohawk stakes, basically, spikes. He had long ones. He had short ones. um, But they were all titanium. And he came in and I'm like, doesn't it hurt? It, I mean, if you bump one of those, doesn't it hurt? He goes, oh, yeah, it hurts. It's just like hitting your head. Because when you bump one of those, it moves the the anchor that's in that's in your skull. It's like, how do you do it? And he goes, oh, you just know what you have in, and you learn what doors you can go through, when you have to duck. Um, because it just is, it's just a part of me. You know, I've, I've gotten used to navigating with it. I know how to get in the car. I know how to walk into my office. I know how to get into all these things with a foot and a half long spike sticking out of my head, you know? Um, and I think sometimes we, the, these, these aspects of our character, of our nature have become so much a part of who we are and we don't even know how to um, assess them and recognize them to begin exercising them, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'll say this. And only because of my reaction to this description did I make this connection. But, you know, my first reaction is why? 
you know, just why that's that, that sounds painful. It sounds ridiculous, but I mean, whatever floats your boat, but I'm thinking also though, how obvious it is to everyone else around him. That's different. Mm -hmm. Just wow. That's different. Other people's logs when we're focused on others are a lot more obvious. And then we also think the same thing I thought with this guy's hair to say, not only are they more obvious, but they're, they're, they're different right. and they're worse or wow. I would never do that. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, uh, I had a friend of mine introduce me to the Enneagram uh, last year. Last year? Yeah, I think it I think it's already been a year. It's crazy. Um, and the Enneagram, I hated at first, right? I hated it at first because <laughs> you know, I, I took this dumb little test and it, it gives me this listing of things. And I'm reading the list of the characteristics and I'm like, ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I do not like that. That's not me. I do not like that either. <laughs> and so I, I kind of found myself picking and choosing some aspects of this eight wing seven that I really liked and I could see in myself. I also started choosing some of the aspects that the test had obviously gotten completely wrong. Um, and then I went home and I said, Heather, I really want you to take this test. And so she took it and I was like, Oh, this is you. This is you to a T look this, 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 and this, and this is why we fight because, because you have a problem with this and this and this. And <laughs> so I, I think she might have even, you know, used this, this line, right? Because the first rule of the Enneagram is you don't type other people. This is a tool for self-reflection and self-examination. Yep. And so she was like, I didn't think we were supposed to do that with this. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. But she goes, but, but since we are, can I be really honest with you? And I'm like, sure. And he goes, this is you to a T. This eight wing seven. Is so I, don't, I don't really do this, do I? And she goes, think about it. And so I started really honestly thinking about it and started realizing, oh, this is really shining some lights on some aspects of my character. Not that I necessarily need to change, but I need to change um, how I use them and my awareness of the way they affect the people around me. Uh, because it's not this isn't a this isn't a good bad assessment this is a, this is who you are and this is how other people perceive the way that you act as a response of that nature and that character um mm -hmm. and so it has been once i got that through my mind that says look use this as a tool for self-examination to understand what are your points where you're strongest in and what are some points that you just really need to grow in um it has really changed the way I've been able to communicate with people because I've become more acutely aware of sometimes just as, as an example, and then I'll stop talking with you pitch in here. Cause I've talked for a while. Um, Heather, my wife, she always says to me, why are you so angry? And I'm like, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. <laughs> You're angry. I'm like, no, it's like, there's a difference between um, emotional and anger. There's a difference between upset and anger. There's a difference in frustration and anger. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. Like, come on. Well, one of the aspects of this eight, particularly an eight wing seven, is that eights experience every emotion as a form of anger. 
Um, and I started reading through what all that meant. And I was like, oh, she's right. I'm not angry, but people are seeing it as an expression of anger because of the way I experience all of these different emotions. And, and so all this time I've been fighting against the wrong thing. I've been fighting against someone else's perception of what I'm doing as opposed to changing the way I respond. Not the way I experience it, but the way I express that experience. Um, and it has completely changed my ability to communicate with people what it is that I'm actually going through. Um, and man, that's just so challenging because I have to really confront honestly those spaces that I need that I need to grow in. And I like what your dad said. I like some of those logs. Yeah, I like some of those things. I shouldn't, um, but I do. Yeah, yeah. I think that you know that that part of the lesson of being honest with ourselves is really hard because there's some things I've I've done the same when I've looked at this and I go, yeah, I haven't done that, but I've done everything here, but this these two things sound like me, and then I went, <laughs> mm, but no. That one I've done sometimes. Now there's different. Now the more you get down into the enneagram, you can see, you know, if you're in the unhealthy areas, you'll do this. If you're in the healthy areas, you'll do this. And I'm going, okay, I've I've not really done all of these, but they're not saying, oh, you react all these ways. They're saying when you're unhealthy, here are some of the traits that might mm -hmm. resurface. You know, we were talking about fasting in our podcast a couple months ago. We talked about fasting last night at Holly Hill. And we talked about when you fast, you're, some of those undesirable traits will resurface. Some of your, your, your weaknesses will, will surface that you need to, to work on. So with this log, we have to, one, admit we have that log. But two, perhaps it's the opposite of what Aaron was saying, which is what we so often like to do. And tell people, hey, fix yourself, back off, worry about you, I'll worry about me. Perhaps it's when they do come to us. Listen, doesn't mean we have to to agree with everything. But, you know, I, I had a good mentor of mine when I was going through a, a tough time several years back and uh, I had received some 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 information that wasn't quite uh, fantastic, wasn't accurate uh, completely. And he said, Jonathan, he goes, I want you to to really think about everything that's been said. He goes, and if there's truth to any of it, pick that out and discard the rest. He goes, you know, it could just be one thing out of the hundred of things they've, you know, you know, that they're coming at you with. He goes, but more than likely, there's a small nugget somewhere. And you can pick that out and discard the rest and work on that one thing or work on whatever. And I think that needs to be our reaction with our logs because a lot of times it's not what's this log in my eye. It might be there's, you know, what do you mean there's a log in my eye? And if we get too defensive, the log will never go away. Now, perhaps the log isn't as big as other people may make it out to be. And maybe it's a little bit different than they're making it out to be. But kind of like what you were saying with, you know, the truth being revealed, you're going, man, I I have been doing some of this, but it came because you listened to someone saying, no, you need to think about it. Yeah, that, that's good advice. And think about it. I don't think I'm even the one that gave that to you. That's good advice, though. 
find the one piece and oh, like, capitalize on it. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh man, well, any closing thoughts, Josh? It's about time for us to wrap up. No, my my closing thought is um, it's it's as much it's as much to me as it is to anybody else, and that is just simply um, remember remember how much grace and mercy God has showered upon us uh, and be willing not only to give other people that same grace and that same mercy, but be willing to give yourself that same grace and that same mercy because it's easy for us to externalize this and look outwardly. But the truth is I, I have to come to myself with that same kind of grace and that same kind of mercy so that I can honestly assess those, those places that I'm not a, that I'm not afraid to see my areas of growth potential because I understand how deep God's grace goes in my life. And if God can show me grace, I can show me grace. And if I can show that grace to myself, I can show it to other people. Um, so using that as a, as a tool and a measure to launch off and say, uh, whatever I did today, I'm going to be better tomorrow because I'm going to honestly, um, reflect, give introspection, um, and I'm going to allow the spirit of God to work on me in those ways so that I can be more effective tomorrow than I was today. Definitely. I like that. Focusing on the grace and mercy that we need to give others, but we also need to accept ourselves. Um, uh, I'll, I'll add on to that and then we'll, we'll, we'll tell our audience farewell. Uh, I would say we all have baggage. Mm -hmm. And if we're not careful, um, our baggage becomes the log in our eye. Because our baggage isn't something we're bringing to the cross, but we're throwing on other people to say, because of everything we're going through, we're not dealing with properly. We're not accepting the grace and mercy because we've not given it and laid it at the cross of, of Jesus. Instead, we're taking it out on other people and adding to their baggage, thinking we're getting rid of our baggage, which really just adds to our baggage. So accept that grace, accept that mercy and uh, continue to grow, continue to be transformed into the image of Christ. Not just look like him. I can fake it all day long. Um, I am a three. Um, but uh, be transformed into the image of Christ. Well, that's been our show. Thank you for watching. As always, these videos are brought to you by Holly Hill, Goodwood uh, Congregations, and the Ministry League. We got some good news, um, I believe. Uh, I hope they have a show this week. They may not. They're pretty busy. Um, but Paul and John uh, have a show on Fridays. Um, good news. Exposure is happening December 27th through the 30th. I believe they can have a max of 1,400 people. And I uh, think they're going to be somewhere. Um, I don't know how many they have registered uh, as to date. I know they had quite a bit. I also know I got an email. And if I'm wrong, uh, you can blame me. Don't blame Paul. Don't get mad at Paul if I'm telling you bad information. But if you were in the draft, I believe everyone in the draft got in the embassy suites. So, yay. Good job. I'll be missing you. Um, I will be, um, un not unfortunately, I'll be fortunately welcoming a, a, a baby within a week of exposure. So, I will not be with you. I'll be with you in spirit. With that being said, you guys have a great week. Have a great holiday. We'll see you next week. And I think next week will be our last time before Christmas. So next week will be a little special show. Um, surprise, Josh. I guess you should know that. I should. But yeah. We'll see you guys next week.